Good morning, friends, and welcome to Bible Truth for Living. This is your host, Pastor Tim Reynolds. We're continuing our teaching from last week from the book of Galatians. We're today in uh, chapter 5 of the book of Galatians as we look at Paul's exhortation to the church. Now, just a little bit of a reminder, the book of Galatians is a letter to several churches in uh, Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey, called Asia Minor in in Bible days. And these churches were uh, having some issues mixing law and grace. Uh, some of the uh, Jewish converts were telling the Gentile converts that uh, they needed to follow the Mosaic law in order to really be saved and and uh, know that they are on their way to heaven. And so Paul uh, writes this letter to straighten them out on that, to tell them that salvation is by grace alone. They have liberty in their salvation. And so he's going to uh, close the letter out in the last two chapters as he spells out four great laws. And the first one is called the law of liberty in Christ. Chapter five, verse one, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love." Forcing the religious rite of circumcision on the Gentiles was contrary to the whole spirit of Christianity. Paul is telling them you are free. You don't have to go back into the yoke of bondage and not only be physically circumcised, but follow all of the Mosaic law. If you're doing that, then the uh, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross has no effect on you. You're trying to be justified by the law. He says in verse 4, you are fallen from grace. That does not mean that they lose their salvation. It means that they have misunderstood what grace is all about, and they're still trying to be saved by works or by keeping the law. And he really reiterates to them that it is through righteousness, the righteousness of Christ by faith that we are saved. It is not by our works or keeping the law. However, with this liberty, this newfound liberty in Christ comes responsibility because he says there in chapter five and verse 13, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. What that means is you don't take that, uh, take advantage of that uh, and say, well, I can just live any way I want to. I'm free. And so what happens many times is when people do that, number one, either they are confused and they're not saved at all, or they become a stumbling block to an unbeliever because they think, well, I'm saved and so I can just uh, do whatever I want to in my flesh. And so he says, don't do that because then you are using liberty uh, for an occasion to sin. And that's not what our liberty is all about. That's the law of liberty in Christ. And then there is the law of likeness to Christ. Listen now to chapter 5 and verse 22. 
He says, but the fruit of the spirit. Now these are oftentimes we call them the fruits of the spirit, but really they are nine single fruit. All right. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Paul spells out the self-centered life in verses 17 through 21 and the spirit-filled life in the verses that I just read to you. The goal of every believer should be to live more like Jesus every day. But listen, beloved, we cannot do that in our flesh. We can hope to do that. We can try to do that, but we will fail in our flesh. It is only possible if we are spirit-filled because these are fruit of the spirit. These are not fruit of the believer or out of the... uh, of a, a willpower or something like that, it requires the uh, the indwelling and filling of the Holy Spirit in order to produce this fruit that Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 5. That's the law of likeness to Christ. Number three, we see the law of the love of Christ, chapter 6 and verse 1. Brethren, If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Here's what he's saying. Let's say you have a fellow believer that has stumbled and and has sinned. What do you do? Well, we should, in the spirit of restoration, not condemnation, but restoration, restore them as long as they are willing to do that. Now, if they're not willing to repent, they are not willing to to make things right, then that's a different story. But if they are in meekness, they are trying to get back into fellowship, they've confessed that, then we are to restore them. And he says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted." which means that that next time it could be you. It could be your child that needs this restoration. And so we should do that realizing that uh, if it weren't for uh, God, any of us can do uh, something terrible that we think, well, you know, I would never do that. Well, be careful of making that statement because all of us are still sinners saved by grace. We still struggle in the flesh. And uh, so the spirit of restoration is very important. He goes on in verse two and says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, like uh, when we take prayer requests and, and these sorts of things, we are doing that in order to bear the burden of one another. That's that's what the church does uh, together. For if a man think himself as he, as he is something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. You know, be real careful. Think, well, I don't need anybody's help. I, I don't have any problem with sin. You know, I, I'm, I'm okay. Well, be real careful about that because that's self-deception and nothing is worse uh, than being self-deceived. You see, the love of Christ includes the act of forgiveness, the act of restoration, the act of bearing the burdens of others, and the act of humility. The longer we walk with the Lord, the more these attributes should be on display. You'll find Christians that after they have walked with the Lord for 30 or 40 years, they are much more humble. They're much more willing to forgive, to restore others. Many times someone that let's say they've, they've uh, only been saved a short period of time, or maybe been in the ministry for a short period of time, they are not so quick to forgive and restore. Uh, But the closer we walk with the Lord, it makes us realize that were it not for his grace and his mercy, every one of us would be in a sad state of affairs. And then he closes out with the law of life in Christ chapter six and verse seven. 
He says, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. You know, just like a farmer, if you sow corn, you're going to reap corn. Well, if you sow wild oats, as they say, that's what you're going to reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. All right, if everything is about the flesh, the desires of the flesh, and so that's all that you invest your time and your energy into, that's what you're going to get back in return. But he that soweth to the spirit, spiritual things, shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So it just comes down to a matter of what you invest in, what you sow into, because you're going to reap what you sow. And let us not be weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, that's a great verse. In fact, that's my dad's life verse. He's always enjoyed that verse because it's easy to get weary and well-doing. Sometimes you wonder, well, is this paying off? Is it going to produce anything? And Paul says, don't be weary. You just stay with it for in due season. When is that? Well, that may not be until the next life. But whenever that due season is, sometimes that's uh, in, in the later years of life. But in due season, we shall reap. If we faint not, don't quit. Don't, don't, don't stop now. You just keep on staying with it. What is true of the soil, uh, in other words, is true of the soul. What we sow, whether it's good or bad, is what we will reap. And then Paul signs off this letter to the churches of Galatia by reminding them that he has done his part in suffering for the Lord, and he has reached the place in his leadership and his ministry to no longer have the need to defend himself or argue his point any further. This is the truth. Take it or leave it. This is how it is. Listen to what he says in the final two verses of Galatians. He says, from henceforth, Let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, and amen. So Paul signs off the letter to the Galatians. Now we're going to move on to the book of Ephesians. (coughs) Excuse me. As we look at heavenly places, this is part one of the book of Ephesians. I'll read Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote four of his epistles or letters from jail. This particular letter to the Ephesians was likely intended for the Ephesian church uh, and other churches throughout Asia Minor, again, modern-day Turkey including the seven churches mentioned in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, and we'll get to that when we get to the book of Revelation. Ephesus was one of the great cities of the Roman Empire. In Ephesus was located the Temple of Diana. It was also known as the Temple of Artemis, which is among the seven wonders of the ancient world. The book of Romans is the first great doctrinal epistle unveiling the mystery of the cross of Christ. The book of Ephesians is the second great doctrinal uh, epistle unveiling the mystery of the church of Christ. Romans takes us to uh, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, while Ephesians takes us through the ascension and throne of Jesus Christ, where the believer abides in heavenly places. You find that phrase mentioned throughout the book of Ephesians. Now, first of all, we're going to look at considering the heights. The opening verses of Ephesians introduce us to the heights of God's plan for the believer. He starts out with the mercies of God the Father. Again, chapter 1, verse 3. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated or predetermined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will." to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Well, first of all, we see when God chose chose us as believers. Verse 4 says, he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, this is a great theological question. Did I choose God or did God choose me? It's as difficult as which came first, the chicken or the egg, if we look at it from a finite human perspective. However, God in his foreknowledge as the timeless I am of creation transcends time and from his perspective, his decision to choose us and our decision to choose him are simultaneous acts and both are true. You see, you run into some problems when you say it is all of God, all of Christ choosing us, and we have no part to play. Well, then uh, that does away with man's free will. But if you say it's all man's free will, you do away with the foreknowledge of God. The fact is both are biblical truths and only possible because we have a sovereign and uh, infinite God. And then we see why God chose us. What was it about us that that caused God to choose us for salvation? Well, let's read it. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Here's why, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. The reason God chose us, and I know it sounds rather simple, but it's true, it's because he wanted to. It was according to the good pleasure of his will. God chose us for his glory, not for our glory, for his good, not because of our good, because of his grace, his gift, not our goodness, that that is what places us in the family of God and makes us acceptable to him. He did not choose us because because he saw something special uh, in us. He chose us because he desired to and wanted to save us according to his will. And then we see the mediation of God the Son in verses 7 through 12. He continues referring to Christ and says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, having predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. So here's what he is saying in in a nutshell. It would not be enough for salvation if Jesus merely showed his redemptive power to us. You see, he also shared that redemptive power with us. He didn't just show it to us. He shared it with us. A man once said to his friend as they passed a certain bank, they put $10 million in that bank yesterday. 
The friend was mildly interested, but not overly impressed. Two more words would have made all the difference. They put $10 million in that bank yesterday for you. (laughs) For you would have made all the difference. Well, that's the thing uh, with the sacrifice of Christ. It's wonderful that he did that, but he shared it for you. Thank God that redemption was not only shown to us, but it was shared with us. When I say redemption, that is purchasing the sinner, the, the, the person who comes to Christ and asks for forgiveness is bought back and placed into the family of God according to the will of God, not only adopted into the family, but now uh, with an inheritance to come. And that's a wonderful spiritual promise. Then we see the ministry of God, the Spirit, in verses 13 and 14. Paul continues, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth. Remember, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. What that means is that first of all, we see the power of scripture. He says, after you heard the word of truth, listen, a, a person needs to hear the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. It is the power of scripture that brings one to salvation. And then you see the power of sealing when he says that after you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. A seal affixed to a legal document makes it a binding covenant. When we accept Christ as our Savior, God the Holy Spirit seals the deal and he makes it irrevocable, unchangeable. Uh, We cannot change it. No one can change it. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, now that we have the earnest, the down payment, that means as a believer, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And one of these days, whenever we go to heaven, we, we leave this body behind, we will uh, be in heaven, and then we will we'll receive a glorified body when the rapture occurs, and that will be the purchased possession, the glorified body that the believer will receive. And then the second point I want to bring out in chapter one, we see climbing the heights. And he mentions our spiritual enlightenment in verses 15 through 18. He continues, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now that you're saved and now that you are sealed, he says, I'm praying that your spiritual eyesight will continue to improve as you learn more and seek more of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you take a little newborn baby, it takes them approximately eight weeks to focus on a parent's face and then another four weeks to begin following movement. It doesn't happen all at once, but the potential is there. The same is true of a new believer. He is saved, she is saved, sealed with the Holy Spirit, and then as they begin to learn more about Christ and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, their spiritual eyesight begins to improve and they begin to understand spiritual principles. And that continues all the way until we go to heaven. And then lastly, we see our spiritual enablement in verses 19 through 23. 
Paul continues and says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. There's that phrase. For above, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him, Christ, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Paul's prayer is that believers will enter fully into Christ's mighty victory at Calvary. All of God's power in Christ is to be unleashed through the New Testament church. (coughs) Excuse me, that is not the Baptist church, the Methodist church, the Pentecostal church. It is the the body of Christ. Every born again believer uh, is what he is referring to there. You see, the local church may fail. I've I've known throughout my lifetime of many local churches that have closed the doors uh, for good, uh, but it contains the wheat and tares. You see, the the local church has both believers and non believers, but the the universal church, the body of Christ, made up of all believers, is comprised of all born again believers, and it will never fail. That's why Jesus said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Beloved, as we see our world becoming more secular and we see all of these things going on in our world and we think, boy, can the church just hold on? Well, I'm going to tell you that the church will prevail because Jesus has already said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We just need to stay faithful to the word of God, stay faithful and true to the teaching of God's word. And that's the call of every believer today. Now, we're going to stop there. And we're going to look at the second part of the book of Ephesians next Sunday. As I close out today's broadcast, I would like to give you a personal invitation to the churches where I have the privilege of pastoring, and that is Mount Vernon Baptist Temple and Waltonville Community Church. Mount Vernon Baptist Temple is located at 817 Woodland Drive here in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Uh, You can find us online at mountvernonbaptisttemple.com. You can also call us at 618-244-5404. We have Sunday school for all ages that begins at 9 o'clock every Sunday morning. And then we have uh, Sunday morning service at 10 o'clock. And then Sunday night service at 6 p.m. Wednesday night Bible study at 6 p.m. as well. And then at Waltonville Community Church, we meet every Sunday morning at 1115 a.m. We're located at 321 South Hiram Street in Waltonville. Waltonville, Illinois, just across from the Waltonville Cafe. You can find us online at waltonvillecommunitychurch.com. You can also call or text 618-315-1111. And then finally, I would also like to thank all of those who support our broadcast, not only by listening and praying for us, but because of your financial gifts as well. You are the ones that make it possible to go on every Sunday and preach and teach the truths of God's Word. If you'd like to be a Bible Truth for Living partner, you can write to us at Bible Truth for Living, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Include your best gift, maybe a note, a prayer request, a Bible question, a word of encouragement, whatever it is. Include that with it, and uh, whatever comes in goes directly to help us pay for the radio airtime. And I thank you ahead of time for considering that and for helping us to continue to stay on the air and preach the truths of God's Word. It's always a joy to be with you. Let me encourage you to be in the house of God somewhere today today, if at all possible, and we look forward to being with you again next Sunday. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living, saying, may God bless you, is my prayer.
You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.